0: Hey, Running Nerds, it's Kyle Merber. And if you're listening to this podcast and there's a high likelihood that you love track and field, in that case, I encourage you to subscribe to the Lab Count newsletter. It's my newsletter, helping fans stay up to date with all the thrilling action and biggest stories in the world of track and field, delivered right to your inbox every Wednesday morning. It's free. It takes less than a minute to sign up at thelapcount.com, And I think you'll enjoy it. Here's this week's newsletter read by Chris Chavez. Before we get into it, this week's newsletter is brought to you by New Balance. The 2024 New Balance Nationals Indoor will return to Boston from March 7th to March 10th. The best athletes in high school track and field will compete at the track at New Balance and the Reggie Lewis Track and Athletic Center. One athlete who will be there competing is 2023 New Balance Outdoor Two Mile Champion Daniel Simmons of American Fork High School in Utah. Kyle caught up with him following his big performance in Idaho this past weekend, where he ran 8.48 for 3,200 meters. In his brief Q&A, Danny talks about how he will be going after the U.S. high school 5K record at New Balance Nationals Indoor, which is currently 1,356. You can read the Q&A at SidiousMag.com or at TheLabCount.com. Thanks to New Balance for supporting this week's newsletter. We've got tons more coming from New Balance Nationals in March. Lap 155, no more fouls? U.S. Indoor Championships, let the record show.
1: Comes to altitude and in the first round
0: of the men's 60-meter hurdles, breaks his own world record, 727. For the former Florida Gator, the three time outdoor world champion. I'd imagine that turning up uninitiated to a U.S. indoor championship can feel a bit like walking into your freshman dorm room for the first time and meeting your randomly assigned roommate. The excitement is palpable, but you never know who might show up. Thankfully, like my own roommate experience back in 2008, shout out to Andy. This year's US Indoors were fantastic, and that's because the stakes were high. Two spots per event for next month's World Indoor Championships in Glasgow were on the line. Okay, technically not every event, sorry to the weight throw, but don't let that diminish Daniel Haas' world record setting 26.35 meter toss. Speaking of records and personal bests, there were plenty to be had for anyone who wasn't running further than 800 meters. Downtown Albuquerque sits at above 5,000 feet, and the altitude makes it a touch easier to sprint, jump, and throw, and a bit more difficult to run for more than two minutes. I feel like a Debbie Downer for even mentioning all that, because ultimately, it's fun when records are broken. But I know many of you read this newsletter for my constant mention of things like weather and altitude, so here we are. After running 7.32 seconds to win in leave in France last weekend, it was obvious that Grant Holloway's previous world record of 7.29 was under threat. And it didn't take long, which is often the case with records, for him to knock another two hundredths off when he ran 7.27 in the prelims in Albuquerque. This was his 60th straight win in the 60 meter hurdles, extending a streak that goes back a decade. Because Holloway had a bye to Glasgow given his defending champion status, he passed on the final, something that he's done before. I know there was some grumbling about this decision, but really, can you blame him? The risk of getting hurt or losing Isn't worth the $6,000 in prize money, or as I like to contextualize it, 10 weeks of daycare. I just wish that the next time an athlete fairly opts out of a final that they don't need to contest, they say something about the lack of financial incentive, just to apply some additional pressure to up the prize purse. For unsponsored athletes like Allie Wilson, who won the 800, and Brian Faust, who won the 400, that money may go a long way. It just doesn't move the needle for a dude who hasn't lost in 10 years. Meanwhile, the last time we saw Tia Jones in action, she had just been beaten by Devin Charlton at the Milrose Games. The Bahamas star broke the world record in the 60-meter hurdles. Well, at USA's, Tia matched that world record time, 7.67 seconds, and continued her tremendous indoor season. It's hard to believe that this will be her first global championship putting on the Team USA uniform. We Americans do have the good fortune of being born into a nation with the most extensive serial selection in the world, and we also enjoy an abundance of riches when it comes to the hurdles. That's good news for us fans, but leads to some devastating breaks for serious medal contenders when it comes time to name a three-woman squad. Case in point, Jones finished fifth in the last two US 100-meter hurdle championships despite having run 12.38 for the distance. That's number 20 all time. Aren't these great performances worth the small price of the 3,000 meters being won by Yard Goose and Ellie St. Pierre in 755 and 854, respectively? As regular readers of this newsletter know, the intent of this thing isn't really to regurgitate the results to races that you watched. If you'd like a more in-depth recap of the U.S. Indoor Championships, then I'd suggest reading the Sidious Mag newsletter. You can go to SidiousMag.com slash newsletter to sign up for free. We publish previews and recaps and some of the best content from Sidious Mag on there. But if you want Kyle's off-the-cuff reaction, then he says, Cole Hawker's the favorite to win Worlds, Ryan Krauser's still big and strong, Nikki Hiltz is still fast, Bryce Hoppel's consistent, and Tara Davis-Woodhall did not get worse at jumping since last week. <laughs> Members only. How to easily increase viewership. On Friday night, the U.S. Indoor Championships were not on NBC. They weren't on Peacock. And buddy, if you think they were even on NBC-owned networks like Bravo, Telemundo, or USA, then I've got a bridge to sell you. No, despite this being a world championship qualifier in the middle of a damn Olympic year, the meet was streamed on USATF.tv behind a paywall. If Gabby Thomas and Trayvon Burmel, who were vocal on social media on Friday night, can't figure out how or where to watch this meet, then anyone who succeeded in watching the action on their laptop may as well be Neo from The Matrix mainlining the internet via tube shunted into their noggin. There are enough barriers to entry to becoming a track fan as is. There are too many events, a million meets, a confusing ranking system, and a lack of establishment media coverage that all combine to make it really, really tough to follow. And unless you live in Eugene, there is rarely more than a single local professional meet in your area each year. The way to grow the sport is to make it more accessible, which right now, it is not. We don't know how many fans watch the meet live on Friday or Saturday night. But because that info hasn't been published, let's assume it was small. I understand that Runnerspace, as a business, provides a service and charges $12.99 per month, or $119.98 per year, for access to streams for tons of meets that would not otherwise be viewable. I also know that when most partners work with Runnerspace to stream an event, there's an option to remove the paywall by paying a premium up front. Why is USATF not subsidizing track fandom? From USATF's perspective, whose mission statement is quite literally about driving popular engagement in the sport, this is a huge missed opportunity, and it's so short-sighted. If more people tuned in to watch these supposedly major events, then the potential sponsorship dollars would far outweigh any amount of revenue brought in from having a paywall. A frequently tossed around idea that I really like is that access to USATF.tv should be included in USATF's membership plan. Currently, an individual annual membership now costs $55 and includes a 10% discount on USATF.tv streaming. I am not currently a USATF member because as someone who is no longer competing, there is minimal benefit in me being one. And that's a shame. While the sport continues to flourish with school-aged athletes, we struggle to maintain their interest beyond their days competing. Membership is a huge potential unlock, and having access to emails and phone numbers of hundreds of thousands of potential fans would be infinitely valuable to anyone who has ever worked in basic CRM here is the roadmap to use membership to increase viewership number one increase usatf membership to participate in usatf events we already do this point number two include usatf.tv in every membership number three paying members when major events are happening encouraging them to tune in number four sell in even more valuable member-only deals available from major USATF sponsors. The more people that sponsors can be in front of, the more valuable the package. Like a venture-backed tech company, sometimes you have to spend money to acquire customers before they are eventually monetized. In the short term, it might be more profitable to squeeze every bit of cash out of diehard fans and create animosity in the process. But the long-term benefit of having more people tune in will pay for itself. Via Saudi investment? World record, Femke Boll. world record.
1: Femke Boll does it again. 49-24.
0: I thought Femke Boll was supposed to be a hurdler. Then why has she run under 50 seconds in the 400 meters on nine separate occasions, six of which were indoors? This past weekend at the Dutch National Championships, she did it again, breaking her own world record, running 49.24 the 23-year-old whose birthday is on Friday, lost the 2022 World Indoor Championships to Shawnee Miller-Webo. To win it this time, she'll have an opportunity to get revenge on the U.S. 400-meter champion Alexis Holmes. Revenge is too strong of a word. Could it be redemption? Reminder, Femke Boll was the anchor leg in the mixed 4x4 when she fell just before the finish line, and Holmes was the American who broke the world record and delivered a gold medal in that race. We get to see them again. Is Tobogo the biggest threat to Lyles? But Tepoco draws clear now, and he's done it 10 one ten hundredths of a second of the world best previously held by Wade Van He came here just to break that record, to break that world best and he's done it, and he'll be absolutely delighted with that. I'm sure that he has dragged the rest of the field through just some pretty quick times as well. Unfortunately, nobody else really able to give him a It's goal. not the hottest take to suggest that the 20-year-old who earned two medals at last year's World Championships would be the biggest threat to upend Noel Lyles' 200-meter dominance. But after LaCele Tabogo set a new world record of 30.69 seconds for 300 meters, besting Wade Van Eaker's previous mark of 30.81 It feels less like a thought experiment. One year ago, the Botswana star ran 31.52 at the same meet, and last summer ran 44.75 for 400 meters. He's getting stronger. Tobogo has always had a great start if you recall his 9.91 U-20 record that was mostly just a celebration. Now he's extending his ability to hold that. At last year's London Diamond League, Tobogo really made up ground in the final strides. It was a rare occasion in which someone actually closed the gap on Noah Lyles in the final meters. Noah is understandably working on his former weakness too, and his 60 is now down to 6.43 seconds. If someone were to beat Noah over 200 meters, is it possible that they'd have to do it at his own game, coming from behind to nip him at the finish line? Fight fire with fire and all of that. Van Niekirk and Michael Johnson are the next two on the all-time 300 meter list. And neither of them ran particularly strong over 200 meters the year they blazed to their 300 meter glory. Maybe more likely is the fact that I'm overanalyzing the value of a random event that no one actually ever runs. A modest proposal. Jump from anywhere.
1: I'll just give you a tiny little example of of what we're testing right now. Um, So if you take the long jump, uh, at the World Championships in Budapest last last summer, a, a third of all the jumps were no jumps athletes stepping over the front of the of the takeoff board. Well, you know, that's that doesn't work that that's a that's a waste of time okay so we're we're testing for example at the moment a takeoff zone rather than a takeoff board so we measure from where the athlete takes off to where they land in the pit so that means every single jump counts it adds to the jeopardy of the competition the drama of the competition and at the t- same time we're, we're we're working out ways of how we can get instant results so you don't have to wait 20 30 seconds before the result pops up we get it instantly and just how we speed up the whole competition so it's a whole range of of, of innovations we're looking at based on hopefully robust data we've got from you know the world championships and other events last year and, and more research we do this year just so we can try and make the product better for the future. So it's not about getting rid of things. It's about making what we've got already even more entertaining.
0: The rules for the long jump are among the simplest in all of sports. I'd hesitate to even use the plural form of rules because it's really just one rule. See how far you can jump from here. Well... World Athletics CEO John Ridgen has shared that this beautifully straightforward event may be getting a more dumbed-down revamp very soon. The hinted-at update is that rather than having a liner board that athletes must take off behind, there would instead be a legal zone. The jump would be measured from where the athlete took off, not from the board itself. The end result, fewer fouls called than when Tim Donahue took the under. If your immediate reaction is, Kyle, that means every jump will be furthered then yes, that is true. That is another potential hangup. The event has been in the Olympics since 1896 and 1948 for women. And if we've learned anything from the way old people have reacted to super shoes, it's that they will not like their records being broken this way. At last year's World Championships, a third of all contested jumps were ultimately ruled a foul. This is obviously because of the rule that was implemented in 2023, where they put a laser on at the edge of the board and if anything was sensed crossing the plane then it'd be deemed a foul this was a constant issue because athletes were planting on the board but then their toes were rolling over in the launch this big new idea therefore seems like a massive overcorrection how about we just get rid of the stupid laser and while we're at it let's make the boards less slippery i just watched an insane video of someone slipping and hyperextending their knee but I squealed so loudly that I could not, in good faith, link to it in this newsletter. For you psychos who grew up watching live leak videos, you can go find it yourselves. Since World Athletics would never just add a new system of doing things on the biggest stage without testing it, besides the repassage heats at the Olympics, there will be some local and lower level guinea pigs to tell us how it goes. The irony is that the new technology that will be implemented to make this measurement system possible will likely be expensive at the grassroots level of the sport. Kids will be learning to jump under one system. Kids will be learning to jump under one system only to learn something different if they make it as a high level collegiate or professional where meat hosts can afford the measuring system. The long jump is not simply about jumping the furthest. There is an element of precision and adjustments that are made throughout the competition are a key part of it. There is a story to be told about how aggressive or conservative athletes are taking each approach depending on where they are positioned in the field. This proposal suggests that rather than leaning into those decisions to make it more interesting to viewers, the head Hodges would prefer that the element be eliminated entirely. Now, while I appreciate World Athletics' willingness to test, reevaluate, and consider different approaches to the sport, unfortunately, they overstepped the board here. The issue is quite clearly with the presentation. That's partially because there are way too many events. Take a look at this screenshot of the split screen at the U.S. Indoor Championships. I've linked to it within the newsletter. If you are a long jump fan, then it's better than not watching the long jump at all, I think. But there is no opportunity to dig into the plot of the competition in that format. If the goal is to make the long jump more interesting to viewers, then get rid of the pole vault in 800 meter entirely, or at least don't try to broadcast them all at the same time. Give the microphone to two athletes or coaches that know the event exceptionally well and and let them discuss launch angles, toe placement, runway speeds, and more nuances using statcast technology like you would in the game of baseball. The best example of all this was Holly Bradshaw at the Mondo Classic in 2023. If fouling really is an issue that World Athletics wants to fix, and they are unwilling to get rid of the lasers or narrow the sport down to 10 events, Kyle's most controversial opinion, then how about having fouls shift toward a penalty? imagine if there's a second line six inches beyond the board if you take off past the legal mark but still within that zone then one full foot is deducted from the final jump's length make a little gray area no one is going to break any records that way but it's still a legal jump i've never understood the resistance of track and field to penalize athletes rather than throwing them out entirely think of the drama at the 2011 world championships if rather than being disqualified Usain Bolt was forced to start 5 meters back in the 100 and make up that deficit. This World Athletics proposal is like suggesting that the sport does away with reaction times and every athlete can start whenever they like. This ain't the NFL combine. Here's what else you need to know from this past week. Grant Fisher ran 1251.81 to narrowly miss the American 5K record indoors despite running solo for the final 3K of the race If you're wondering why he did this rather than U.S. indoors, it's because his focus is on getting the 10,000-meter standard, and therefore he had no intent in actually running at the World Indoor Championships if he qualified. A fair and unfortunate downside to the ambitious 27-minute standard. It was an Ethiopian sweep at the Seville Marathon, and then also five new spots for the Olympics were unlocked by men who broke 208-10, Leonard career is now ranked 70th and needs to remain in the top 80 before May in order to qualify for the Olympics off of his ranking. Just days after receiving a provisional suspension for whereabouts failures from the AIU, Mo Couture of Spain has accepted a two-year ban. If you read through the reasoning for each of the missed tests, there's a lot of the dog ate my homework kind of vibes. Jakob Ingebrigtsen continues to give absolutely fire quotes to the media about his Scottish rivals, noting not only was he not scared of Josh Kerr's two-mile world record, but he would have beaten him blindfolded. Speaking of Josh Kerr, he is committed to running the 3K at the World Indoor Championships in Glasgow. This news is the Carmelo Anthony returns to New York equivalent of track and field. It was DMR qualifying weekend in the NCAA. The University of Washington women broke their own collegiate record running 1043 with a squad that didn't even include Sophie O'Sullivan, who has run 402 for 1500 meters. Meanwhile, the Northern Arizona men are the top seed with a 917, but notably, the 12th cutoff spot of 924 by Iowa State is now faster than what was recently the NCAA record set by Oregon in 2020. Footlocker cross country champion Drew Griffith ran faster than Ed Cheserich's high school two-mile record going 838 at Notre Dame, where he will be training next year as a member of the Fighting Irish track team. Unfortunately, it won't be official to the record books because it is an oversized track, or as I like to call it, not short enough to be short track. Elizabeth Leachman of Bourne, Texas is Champion High School. Seriously, that's what the school's called. It's named for a guy whose last name was Champion. They also happen to have won the Boys NXN title in 2009. This is too long of an aside to be considered an aside now. Anyway, Elizabeth ran 943.74 to break her own outdoor national 3,200-meter record. Technically, Mary Kane's indoor two-mile of 938.68 is faster, though she was a professional at the time. It's weird how in college, if you go pro, then you can't get collegiate records. But in high school, if you go pro, you can still get the high school records. So weird. Speaking of Mary, according to her World Athletics profile, she is now eligible to represent Ireland. I heard that rumor from some of the lads while on a run over Christmas, but I didn't think much of it since it had been a few years since she has last raced on the track. Is a comeback brewing? In the lap count's rapid-fire highlight section, there are links to two awesome 1500-meter championship races. The first one you've got to watch is between Nick Griggs and Cathal Doyle from the Irish Championships' epic finish and if we need further validation that there's nothing better in track and field than a championship 1500 then check out the british 1500 meter finish don't worry adam fogg ends up in third place and is still going to worlds where he will certainly hug the rail and his loved ones closely final point the maury plant meet in melbourne had great performances but the best way to experience this is probably through jake whiteman's vlog also linked within the newsletter. And while we're plugging athletes' YouTube channels, Marco AROP deserves way more love for his content as well. I link to that. Thanks so much to New Bounce for supporting this week's newsletter. I was hoping to have a full review of the fuel cell supercomp elite v4s that I got in the mail last week, but I went skiing this weekend and have only had the pleasure of bouncing around in them within the house, so stay tuned. This has been krishav is reading Kyle Merber's The Lap Count newsletter. Sign up at thelapcount.com to get it in your inbox every Wednesday morning. At 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time, it's free. It's the best way to keep up with all the happenings within the sport. We'll see you next week.